Good morning, One Church. How you guys doing? Awesome. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's an honor and joy to be with you all this morning. Uh, I am nursing a sickness, uh, so I got some drainage and all that stuff. So if I cough, and if you see stuff spewing out in the audience, just think of it as baptism. All right, um, it's amazing. So uh, I want to just uh, give a, just a, a couple of shout outs. How many of y'all were a part of Crave last weekend? Awesome. And just to let you guys know, uh, we took about 70 uh, students uh, with, uh, with, uh, with adults that work with our student ministry. Uh, it's called Relevant. And if you're not a part of Relevant student ministry, it happens every Wednesday night except this next Wednesday. <laughs> so don't come next, this next Wednesday. But uh, just a huge, I mean, it's amazing because the worship that you experience here. You experience that in, as well as some good speaking. Now, Ryan, he's our family pastor. He does all of our student stuff here and just hits it out of the park. Second thing I need to tell you about it, though, as well, is if uh, Operation Christmas Child, uh, if you guys have uh, shoe boxes for the Operation Christmas Child, um, Carrie is going to be at the One Church offices tomorrow at 11 o'clock. And if you've not dropped yours off, uh, I would encourage you to swing by the One Church offices, 1919 Tiny Town Road. You're welcome to swing by there and uh, drop it off tomorrow at 11 o'clock uh, because uh, we want to be able to give shoeboxes filled uh, with all kinds of stuff and send it overseas to be able to help people this Christmas who are in need. So just a huge thing to do that as well. Today we're in our uh, second week of our series entitled God Is. And really the whole premise of this series revolves around this one statement is, is that our perceptions always influence our relationships. Our perceptions of people always influence our relationships. Let me explain it this way. For some of you, you may think, you may see a person walking down the street, and you may think, you know, she's just kind of snooty, all right? Your perception of that girl or that woman is going to color your relationship because are you wanna get, do you want to get to know her then? No, because your perception is she's snooty, she's better than anybody. Or some of you, your perception of maybe how, how you see your parents is going to influence your relationship with your parents. We're taking that principle and we're also applying it to God because it's totally applicable there as well. That our perception of God will influence our relationship with God. And we're asking two questions every Sunday as we're doing this series called God Is. And the questions are this. Number one, what do you think when you think about God? What picture comes to your mind when you think of God? And the second question is this, what do you think God thinks about you? Because for every misconception we have about God, there's going to be a consequence. It's going to impact your relationship with God. In fact, some of you are here today and you're like, you know what, I just feel like the Christian life and Christianity and church and yet again, all this stuff is just a bunch of rules. You, th you see it as just, you know, God's up there in heaven. He's kind of like Santa Claus. He has a list. He's checking it twice. And he's marking your name down because of something good that you did or something bad that you've done or some of you are thinking about doing because I've been there, right? I mean, if that's the way you think God is, then your perception of God and your relationship with him, is it's not going to be an intimate relationship, <clears throat> It's going to be a relationship based upon how well you do and how high you jump and you got to do this and don't do this and all that. Some of you, when you think of Christianity, you think it's all a bunch of list of rules and that is religion. In fact, did you know the root word for religion 
is bondage. The root word for religion is bondage because when you, well, we got to jump so high and do this and do this and not do that, it's, it's bondage. It gets tiring. Any of y'all just kind of tired of being tired doing the whole religious thing? Because I've been there, totally been there. We're going to be looking at that misconception of God and clearing that up. And I'm going to give you another misconception. Some of you, you've not been to church in like forever, and your big pushback with Christianity is, you know, you know some Christians, and they're pretty good people, and you're thinking, there's no way I could ever be that good. I can't, I can't have that big of a smile that much of a time. I can't hold it all together for that long. And for some of you, your biggest stumbling block to come in, becoming a Christian is because you don't think you can do it. And I'm going to say, and I'm going to kind of just talk with you this morning, that the people that you think are that good, they're really not that good. They just have some help. Um, and that's what we're going to be looking at as we look today in our second week of God is, that God is spirit. God is spirit. Now, in Christianity, we have God the Father, we have God the Son, and then we have God the Holy Spirit. Now, and, and if, by the way, if you've been a Christian or been in church a while, what is those relationships called? The Trinity. That's exactly right. The Trinity. Now, again, I don't know if you were kind of like me growing up, growing up in church. I, I thought kind of the Holy Spirit was just kind of a little weird and spooky. In fact, some people back in my day called him the Holy Ghost. And that just kind of freaked me out as well because I don't like ghosts. Maybe I'm just a girl. I don't know. All right? But, you know, when you think about it, I can relate to God as Father because I have a Father. I can relate even to God as a Son because I'm a Son. But God is Spirit? I just, I doesn't seem to relate and I don't really seem to engage Him for the longest time. <clears throat> I really had this huge misconception about the Holy Spirit. So today I'm hoping to clear up all of these misconceptions and the consequences that kind of just kind of just hang around because of our misconceptions. So today, if some of you you're thinking it's all about religion, it's all about rules, I'm going to diss that. Other of you are thinking I can't be good enough because I know some Christians and they're kind of good, and I'm going to diss that, and we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to be primarily in two passages of Scripture, John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. Now, John is one of the books of the New Testament. It's the fourth gospel, and it's a biography of Jesus. So anytime you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you pretty much know the main character is Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. All right, good. Some of y'all are with me. Some of y'all are like, oh, it's so dark, I'm going to sleep. That's all right, I'll throw something at you. All right, so in John chapter 16 and in John chapter 14, we're going to be looking at Jesus, and he's going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. So as you're turning there, by the way, we give out Bibles for free here at One Church. You're welcome to take one with you when you go home, or we're going to have the Scripture on the screen, or you can follow along on your iPhone. All right, <clears throat> now, here's the thing. In the Old Testament, the first 39 books of the Bible, the Holy Spirit work differently than he did in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, every time the, the Holy Spirit would come down from heaven and hang out with a person for maybe an hour or two, uh, maybe a day or two, but he didn't hang out with a person forever. In fact, the Holy Spirit would just kind of drop down just every once in a while, doing some interesting things here on earth, and he would, he would go back up. In fact, uh, right now I've been reading through the book of Judges, and Samson, how many of y'all have heard of Samson? Dude kind of look like Fabio, right? 
with the long hair? Some of you, if I asked, what was the secret of Samson's strength, you would go, well, it was his hair. But yet, and we're going to be looking at this in 2011, the secret of Samson's strength had nothing to do with his hair. Because every time he did something mighty with his strength, it said the Holy Spirit came down and came upon Samson. So it really wasn't his hair as much as it was the Holy Spirit. That's huge. And David, you know, he would pray, God, you know, I know I have the Holy Spirit. I messed up, so don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Because the Holy Spirit would come and he would leave. Come and then he would leave. Well, we're looking in John chapter 16 and in John chapter 14. Jesus is predicting a time when the Holy Spirit would show up and become a regular part of every person's life, of every believer's life. That he would show up as soon as they became a Christ follower. And he would stay with them forever. Everybody say the word forever. How long is forever? You got it. All right, let's look at it. John chapter 16, we're going to be looking at verse 5 and verse 7. And Jesus, he's he's getting ready to say this. And by the way, it's on Thursday night. Now, Friday morning at 9 o'clock, he's going to be hanging on a cross. And by Friday at 3 o'clock, he is going to have died. So this is his last words to his group of followers. They're called the disciples, all right? So Jesus' last words to them, and he's saying this, verse 5, but now I am going away. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. But it is actually best for you that I go away. Now that is so interesting. I mean, think about it. Jesus has been with these fellows for three and a half years. And he's saying, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm getting ready to go away, and it's going to be really good that I'm leaving. To which, if I was the disciple, I would say, no, it's really bad that you're leaving. Jesus, you're not like us. You can do all of these amazing things, and you can walk on water, and you can bring people back from the dead, and all of this amazing things. And we know that when when we're around you, that we're around God. And you've been saying that all of these people are going to be coming and once we go back to Jerusalem, you're going to be killed. And now you're saying us, this is it? This is a bad thing. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It's a good thing because, and I'm going to keep on reading, because if I don't, the helper, everybody say the word helper. The word helper, we're going to be really focusing in on that word here in a second. The helper won't come. Who's the helper? We're getting ready to see who the helper is. If I don't go away, he will come, if I do go away, he will come because I will send him to you. By the way, the Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a person. He's a him. So Jesus' disciples have no idea what Jesus is talking about. He says, by the way, I'm deucing out. I'm gone. I'm leaving. And they're going, time out. This is not a good thing. I mean, think about this. They were so used for the past three and a half years of having Jesus around. Jesus would give give them noogies. You know, and he, they would kind of baptize each other in the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus and Peter were always picking on Thomas because he was always doubting, you know, all this stuff. And, and, and they, were, they had become so close to Jesus. And then Jesus is pulling out this trump card. By the way, I am leaving you. And by the way, it's good that I'm leaving. And they're going, no, 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 no. It's not good that you're leaving. But he says, Jesus says, yes, it is. Because I'm going to send somebody to help you. You boys need some help. How many of y'all have men in your life who need help? Women? That should be 100% of y'all. In fact, did you know this? This word helper is used of the Holy Spirit. I didn't say this first service. This word helper is also used of, of wives and husbands. 
that wives are called a helper? That some of you have been the Holy Spirit in your man's life? Right? Come on now, you've been speaking to, to him, all that stuff. Helper, that's so key. Now look at John chapter 14, verse 15. It says this. If you love me, you will what? Go to church? If you love me, you will um, give money? If you love me, you will what? Obey my commandments. That's a whole sermon right in there. I can't even hit. Then he says this. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, what's that next word? Helper who will stay with you forever. I need somebody. Can you, you mind helping me in the white shirt? Can you come up here? I promise you won't have to speak. If you'll just kind of come up here. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to illustrate to you what the word helper means in the original language. Because the word helper was a military term. All right? What's your name? Jose. Everybody say hello to Jose. <laughs> All right, come on in the light. All right? All right, the, the word, the helper was a military term, and it means I got your back. I need you to turn that way, if you would. All right, right here, yeah, yeah, stand right here, so everybody can see you in the light, Jose. All right, and I'm going to back up to you like this, all right? Now, the, this word helper was this military term, and it means literally, I got your back. And this whole term happened when, um, when two soldiers would go back to back, and they would have a shield. Put up your shield, Jose. All right, very good. Have a shield, and then you want to have a sword. Oh, yeah. Well, watch out. You're getting into this now, all right? All right? And guess what? If there's any enemies coming from my direction, I would vanquish them. Vanquish. That's right. I used it in a sentence. And then if any enemies were coming your way, what would you do? That's right. You would hit them as well. So that's what the Holy Spirit is. He's saying, listen, I've got your back. All right, let's give it up for Jose. Thank you, Jose. See, that's what he's saying. Holy Spirit is saying, I got your back. That you can, you, can, you can focus on stuff that's ahead of you, but you can't see what's behind you. The Holy Spirit is saying, I've got you surrounded. I've got your back. Isn't that a good thing? Some of you got a little bit more back to cover than others. I know that. And Thanksgiving is a coming. It's good that God has our backs. And it says this. He says, I, not only do I have your back, you're going to be the helper, but he's going to stay with you forever forever. Now, we've already determined that forever is forever. Now, this is so huge because the Bible says when you become a Christ follower, that the Holy Spirit says he's going to be with you and he's going to come in you. And Jesus is saying this to his disciples, I can't be with you forever. I mean, Jesus, when he's telling them this, he's getting ready to die. In fact, this is so amazing to me that Jesus... Jesus, the Son, is, existed before, long before he ever became a baby. In fact, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we quote this a lot during Christmas. It says, unto us a son is born, unto us, excuse me, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. A child is born, but a son is given. What he's saying that is there was a time where the child was not. There's a, a moment where the child comes into existence. But the Son has always been. When Jesus chose to put on flesh, Jesus chose to limit himself. And what I mean by that is this. Jesus couldn't be everywhere at every time anymore because he was a person. He chose to limit himself. Now, Jesus is now in heaven, and he's no longer limiting himself. He is God Almighty. He is powerful. He is everywhere. But when he was in, in flesh for those 33 years, when he was with Peter... 
in Jerusalem and Thomas was in Nazareth, he couldn't be with Thomas in Nazareth and Peter in Jerusalem. Why? Because he was a person. And Jesus is saying this to his disciples on the night before he gets killed. He says, I am, right now, I am a person. And once I die, the person, I'm I'm still going to be God's son. But guess what? I can't be with everybody at all the time, but I'm going to be sending the Holy Spirit. And he is not only going to be with you like I am, he is going to live in you. And that's going to be better for you. Because when God gives the Holy Spirit, he's going to live in you forever. Forever. That means when you become a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit will not leave you. He's not going to say, hey, this, this is, man, you're really screwed up. I think I'm out of here. The Holy Spirit is not going to live inside of you and go, man, you've gotten yourself in a really rough situation. I'm gone. That is not what Jesus says. That the Holy Spirit will lift you, be with you forever. This is important because all of us live in some scary times, right? I mean, the disciples, this was as, as scary as it got because Jesus is getting ready to die. It reminds me of my son. About a month ago, I took all three of our children to go to the Magic Kingdom, Walt Disney World. And I've been there um, a lot. And uh, I, one of my favorite rides is Snow White. I love Dopey. I love the ears. I, I always love, you, you, and what happens is you get in this little, like, mine cart, and it's light, and you go through the doors, and it's dark, really dark. And my favorite part of the ride is when Dopey and Doc and Happy and Sleepy and all those are, like, in the mine, and they're in the, you can hear the hi-ho and all this stuff. And, I mean, they're, they're, they're getting the rubies and all that stuff, right? Well, I went in there with my son, Bing, and he's three years old. And everything was all right when we were in the light. But when we went through those doors and it got totally dark, he was like, and he grabbed onto my arm. He was right beside me. He says, Daddy, I'm scared. Hold me. And I put my big old arm around him. And, you know, he didn't cry once on the ride. I knew what was coming because I'd seen the movie. I'd been on the ride a lot. He didn't know any of that. But you know what? He didn't cry. Why? Because he knew his dad was with him. And nothing was going to happen that his daddy won't be able to handle. At least that's what my three-year-old thinks, right? Here's the amazing thing about this, guys. Some of you are walking through some really just sucky circumstances right now. You got spouse who's talking about walking. You got a child that has left you, and you don't know if they're ever going to come back. You've lost your job, or you're, you might be losing your job, or you're on your 18th, 18th deployment. And it just, just like, gosh, what in the world? You need to know that even in those circumstances, the Holy Spirit, if you're a Christ follower, if you have a relationship with God, He will live in you, and it's going to be okay. Because... Your God is right there with you. And he's not leaving you. He is with you forever. So, quick question. What would you do? How would you feel? What would you act if you knew that God's Holy Spirit was with you forever? Do you think you would live a little bit differently? Do you think you wouldn't be as scared or as afraid of your circumstances? If you knew that God was always with you and he wasn't leaving you forever.
If you knew that God lived in you, do you think you would go different places? Do you think you would talk differently? I mean, if you really kind of process through that, because I don't want this just to be a bunch of head knowledge. It needs to get to our feet. It needs to get to our hands. If you knew God was with you, how would you, how would you live your life differently? Because you know, God is with you. He's inside you, and he ain't leaving you no matter what. He says, verse 17, the helper, he is the Holy Spirit who leads you into, what's those next two words? All truth. I'm just going to stop right there, all truth. Do you really want to know the truth? Because sometimes I think, you know, I don't really want to know the truth sometimes. Sometimes I feel like God wants to speak to me and tell me stuff, but I'm like, God, listen, my life is pretty good right now. You're kind of more of an interruption. I don't really want to hear your voice at this point. Now, some of you, you get frustrated because you're praying to God and you don't really hear God. And when I say hear God, you don't know what God wants you to do. I've never heard a voice, ever. So if you're hearing voices, you might want to go get that checked out. Throw that out there, all right? Now, can God communicate that way? You betcha. Does he communicate that way all the time? 99.9%, usually he doesn't. And we're going to talk about how he does communicate. But here's your problem, all right? And here's my problem. is many times the Holy Spirit, in a still small voice, if you're a Christ follower, says, okay, I want you to start doing this. I want you to stop saying those words. I want you to stop looking at those movies. I want you to stop just trying to fit in here. I want you to start obeying me because if you love me, you will obey me. I want you to start trusting me with your finances. I want you to start. And you know what? This is what we have a tendency to do with God's still small voice. La, 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 la. Because we don't want to hear him. But But here's the problem. When something big happens in our life, and something happens in your life, and you're like, oh gosh, I've got to hear God now. God, please, tell me what to do. And you're waiting. And you, you don't hear a response from God. You know why? It's because if you, if you shut out God's still small voice, the Holy Spirit in your life, telling you to do things or stop doing things, and you say, I'm, I'm going to shut you out, then when it comes to the big things, you're never, ever going to hear his voice. Because we can't pick and choose what we want to hear from God. That's what I have a tendency to do, and that's what probably you have a tendency to do. This is what it continues to read. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into, what's those next two words? All truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives in you and with you now and later, and he, look at those next four words, this freaking rocks my face. He will be in you. Now just, I want to go back up to the top of this verse. It says, the world can't receive him because he isn't looking for him. Do you know nobody ever really looks for God? I mean, you, didn't, you may have woken up for the first time and said, I got to go back to church. I need God back in my life. And some of you think, see, I'm not that bad. I'm looking for God. No, you're not. What happens is the Holy Spirit is working in your life, and he's pushing you towards God. That's what's happening. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. But look at this. He says, you don't know him, because, but you know him because he lives with you now and will be in you. That's a huge paradigm shift. He will live in in you. That should get you excited. In fact, the Apostle Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians 6.19 Or don't you know that your body is a what? I'm sorry, one more time. It is a temple. 
a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. That's what First Corinthians, he says we are a temple. Now let's just stop right here and talk a little bit about this, a temple. In, back in Solomon's day, in the 10th century B.C., he built a temple so that God could kind of indwell. And it took 30,000 loggers and 80,000 stonecutters seven years to be able to build this huge, massive temple with 3,600 foremen. And it was beautiful, and it was limestone and pearl and white and gold, and it was gorgeous. And in 586 B.C., the Babylonians, modern-day Iraq, came and burned it to the ground. Seventy years later, they rebuilt the temple. And it wasn't, didn't look as good as Solomon built it. And over for the next, really, over the next 400 years, all the way until Jesus was born, this dude by the name of Herod, when Jesus was born, had this huge rebuilding program and rebuilt the temple. And everything was great. And then Jesus came and he says, I, this temple, you may think it's great, it's not all that. Because I, I am going to tell you something, God is going to live in you and you're going to be the temple. And then 33 years, he dies. He's buried, he's resurrected on the third day, and then 40 days later, he goes up into heaven, and then the Holy Spirit comes and indwells all of the believers there forever. I mean, Holy Spirit comes down and he stays, something that's never, ever happened up to that point. And in 70 AD, the Romans came and burnt the temple to the ground, and to this day, the temple is no more in Jerusalem. Now, the why that's such a huge paradigm shift is today. I am standing with, today, 2,000 years later, I am 6,451 miles away from the, the, where the temple sat in Jerusalem. I added it up. Six, that's 6,500 miles. We are, we are literally from Jerusalem right now. And God is saying, listen, I don't live in Jerusalem anymore. I don't live in a temple in Jerusalem anymore. I can live in you. I can live in you. Yes, Jesus is with you, but God can be in you. And you don't have to do it alone anymore. You don't have to be alone anymore. That is huge. In fact, some of you, you got some temples. Some of you got bigger temples than others. You know what I'm saying? All right? Some of you got more square feet in your temple. In fact, I want you, here's what I want you. I want you to look to the next person next to you and say, hey, baby, nice temple. I'm like, some of y'all got really into that. Some of y'all been needing a, a better pickup line. All right? Because so, I've, I've done the whole with the flower, hey, baby, this bud's for you. I don't work no more. All right? Nice temple. Just throw that. Because if, if you are a Christ follower, you are a temple. That's a huge paradigm shift. This is what it says in verse 26 of chapter 14. The helper, who are we talking about? The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Look at this verse, guys. In this verse, we see the Holy Spirit. We see the Father will send in whose name? My name. That's Jesus. In this one verse, what do we see? We see the relationship of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit, the Father, and Jesus Christ. In one verse, we see the Trinity. That is amazing. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and make you remember all that I've told you. I mean, what a promise. That's so huge because he says he will teach you everything. I want to focus on that second part, though, because he says, I am going to jog your memory. The Holy Spirit can jog your memory. That is cool. 
But let me tell you this. He can't remind you of something you don't know. You know what I'm saying? How many of y'all have ever prayed to Jesus? All right. And in the South, you got to make that a six-syllable name. Jesus. You ever prayed to Jesus before you took a test that you didn't study for? Let me see your hands. Those who aren't raising your hands, you're liars. I've done that. Jesus, I did not study for this test. Please help me on this test. Jog my memory. How many of y'all, did anybody pass that test? Because I didn't. You know why? Because Jesus cannot remind you of something you've not studied for. And I, that's where I really want to land today because this is where the Holy Bible and the Holy Spirit can, can work in our lives. The Holy Spirit can't remind you of something from God's Word if you're not reading God's Word. Y'all see what I'm saying on here? Our big idea is this. We have to be in the, what's that word? Be in the Word so that the Spirit can, what's that next word? Work in your life. you got to be in the Word so that the Spirit can work. When you open up your Bible, God opens his mouth. When you open up your Bible, God opens his mouth. And when you close the Bible, God closes his mouth. Because this is his word. This is, if you want to hear God speak, then open up the word. Word and speech, they work hand in hand. And some of you, you've been praying to God forever. God, please, please, please help me in this situation. And you want to hear God speak. If you want to hear God speak, then open up God's Word, and the Spirit can work in your life. Now, let me tell you how this works practically in my life, because some of you are like, how does that work? Because when I open up the Bible, I don't hear God in an audible voice. There's sometimes I'll open up my Bible, and I will get something out of it. And I'm like, wow, that was awesome. That's exactly what I need. There's other times I open up my Bible, and I read something, and I'm like, I didn't get nothing out of that. Oh, my Lord. And I think I'm going to have to read it again because I, I fell asleep, right? And I'm a preacher, and if I struggle with that, I'm sure you struggle with that because I'm just like you. Here's what you need to do, and this, here's what I need to do. You find a time, sometime during the day, and I don't know what's best for you. It may be in the morning, it may be at night, it may be at noontime. I don't know. I don't think there's a, a certain time where it has to be. But where it happens in my life, I, and I'm, 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 I'm going to wake up, and I go to the bathroom, and I read God's Word. Some of you are going, all right, I'm just going to be real with you guys. That's when it happens with me. If I don't do that, I can spend all day and never get into His Word. That's what happens with me. Now, does that mean you got to do it that way? Absolutely not. And I would tell you, find, find a Bible that you can read and understand, and, and not a Bible that sounds like Macbeth. Or bad Shakespeare play, if you knoweth what I meaneth. All right? We, I, the version that I read is called the New Living Translation. It's not better or worse than any others. It's just the one that I can understand. There are other great Bibles out there. There are something called the New International Version, the NIV. There's something called the Message, which is really easy to understand. It doesn't matter what you read as long as you're in God's Word. Because if you're in God's Word regularly, then you will hear God speak. And there's going to be some days that you're going to read it, and you're going to like, I didn't get nothing out of that. And you persevere. All right? How many of y'all read the paper or read the news? Anyone? All right? There are some days that you read the paper, and it's like, yeah, that was, that was kind of a waste. All right? Does that mean you still 
do you stop reading the paper the next day? No, because news is ongoing, right? Well, some of you, if you're going to do that with the Leaf Chronicle or any of these other papers, then why not try that with God's Word? There's going to be some days it's going to freaking blow your socks off. You're going to go, in fact, I don't even have socks on today. Had them on, read the Bible, boom, it's gone. There's going to be some days that you're going to be, like I was in Leviticus not too long ago, and I'm like, oh dear Jesus, why did you put it in the Bible? I know there was a reason, I know there was a point, please let me get through it. That's all, that was my prayer through Leviticus. I know the reasoning behind it, but it was like, I'm not getting a lot out of it. And there's going to be, that's going to be some days that you, it's going to be like that. Don't stop. Don't stop. You hear what I'm saying, church? Don't stop. You want God to work in your life. You want the Spirit to work in your life. Then open up God's Word and read it. And I'm not saying you've got to read books at a time. Sometimes it just may be a few verses. But do it. Get in it. Because if you want God to speak, you've got to open up God's Word. I want to close it by just, just saying this. Uh, this is verse 27 of John 14. It says this, I am leaving you with a gift. Jesus saying, by the way, I am gone, but I'm going to leave you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. Now, no one can give peace of mind and heart like the Holy Spirit. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Again, I want to I end today. What, what would you change? What part of your life would be different if you knew God was with you? Would your pain be more manageable if you knew God was with you? Would your job be more manageable if you knew God was with you? You need to know this. As a Christ follower, if you have a relationship with God, God is with you. And He's never going to leave you. We're going to end this service today because some of you, you don't have a helper. You don't have somebody like Jose that's got your back. You don't have the Holy Spirit living in you because you don't have a relationship with God. So we're going to end today's service by simply inviting you into that relationship. One last verse, I'm just quoting this. It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The band is getting ready to come out and sing a song called Freedom is Here. Some of you, after you pray and you give your heart to Jesus Christ, you can sing that song with new meaning and new gusto because you've been struggling with crap in your past and God is telling you, I have the key. I have the key. I have the, I have the stuff that will, it's still going to be difficult, but you can experience freedom because I will be in you. Let's everybody pray.